0: Hey, this is Doug Jones from Fantastic Four Rise of the Silver Surfer, Hellboy 1 and 2, Hocus Pocus, Pan's Labyrinth, and currently on Falling Skies. But today,
1: you are listening to Genretainment.
0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Genretainment over here at SciFiPulseRadio.com. We're your hosts, Marks
2: and Julie, and John Retainman is where we talk about what's happening in the world of film, TV, and web series. This is where we give you interviews with writers, directors, producers, and actors in both independent and not-so-independent creations. Now, for today's episode, we're chatting with writer-director Jamin Winans.
0: Yeah, we discuss his new movie, The Frame, mm-hmm. his past movies, including Ink! Ink! His uh, background in filmmaking, tips for filmmakers...
2: And the mystery of fanny packs.
0: <laughs> yes, it That'll is That'll make more sense later. <laughs> now, before we get started, I did want to mention some fun news. I have recently joined the International Academy of Web Television's Award Committee for the 2015 IEWTV Awards.
2: <laughs> Say that five times fast. Yes.
0: <laughs> well, we're, I'm very excited to be a part of the awards program. It's going to be a really good one this year. It's going to be uh, in April in Vegas.
2: Mm-hmm. Um, since we are talking about web television, and it is almost Christmas... If you're listening to this soon after this episode airs and you're still looking for that last-minute gift that you haven't gotten yet, we should definitely mention uh, <laughs> Marx's book, Television on the Wild, Wild Web, How to Blaze Your Own Trail.
0: Yes, good point. <laughs> Did I put that in there
2: smoothly enough?
0: I think so, yeah. Uh, I would suggest it for web series creators and also filmmakers who want to learn more about using crowdfunding or social media marketing for their films. So, And if you're interested, you can check it out over at Amazon or straight from the publisher, Michael Weezy Productions at MWP.com.
2: Now, one last thing we should mention before the interview, we want to point out that the music you just heard at the beginning of the show was a snippet from the theme song from our web series, Reality on Demand. It was a song composed and performed by our friend Tishon Hardy, and you can find our web series at realityondemandseries.com. Well, now let's get to our interview with filmmaker Jamin Winans.
1: When you go to sleep at night, do you like having dreams? Well, when you sleep, when you sleep, when you sleep, people like me come, me come, me
0: And we give you and your family and everyone you know good dreams to.
2: Who gives the night the Well, Welcome to the show, Jamin.
1: Well, thanks
0: for having me, guys. It's great to talk to you again. I actually interviewed you about Ink uh, soon after it came out. Mm-hmm. So I was very excited to learn that you have a new film coming out called The Frame. So how long has The Frame been out?
1: Well, I guess to the world, it's only been out for, gosh, about a week and a half, I guess. Um, yeah, we we started touring the film uh, just in, in the United States. About a month and a half or about two months ago, we started in Denver. We did a three-week run in Denver, and then we went to L.A., uh, Portland, Seattle, New York, Austin, and uh, a couple other places. We basically just kind of toured at one city at a time and um, just kind of did what we called sneak peek previews. And then um, we opened it to everybody just uh, about a week and a half ago, and we put it online um, so now the whole world is is exposed.
2: <laughs> That's a good way of putting it. Now, before we get too heavy into that film, why don't we rewind and kind of give some listeners some background about you? Um, can you tell us a little bit about how you got into filmmaking?
1: Yeah, sure. I, um, how did I get into filmmaking? I, um,
2: <laughs> I don't where remember. Did
1: this, where did this all begin and why? Why did it start? Why do I do um, this to myself? <laughs> exactly. Well, so I got into it. Um, you know, before the the interview started, Julie, we we're talking. You you mentioned that you weren't um, exposed to television a lot as a kid, and I had a very similar upbringing. When I was a kid, we didn't even have a TV until I was about ten years old, and so when I was growing up, I mean, the TV was like this magical thing. I mean, I would only get to see. TV or a movie screen, you know, on very, very special occasions. And if I was at a friend's house or whatever, that's all I wanted to do was watch their TV because it was the, you know, the magic box to me and uh, where everybody else just grew up with it. So I think that largely kind of influenced me getting into it. Um, so when I was 10, I really started getting into it. I, I always laugh that before that I, I really wanted to be a ventriloquist. And, um, that was, that was the beginning awesome of my career st- choice. Yeah. My story, my storytelling career started as in ventriloquism. And then when, uh, I first got my hands on a camera, I, I quickly dropped ventriloquism and decided that no, the the truly pure art form was not ventriloquism. It was, it was movie making. So I got into it when I was about 10 and, um, just borrowing a neighbor's camera and running around with it. And then I always give my aunt, my aunt Bonnie, credit because she um, would often come come out and visit us and uh, she would always bring her camera and I would always grab it and make little movies with her and she would always help me make them. And so um, I got my first camera when I was 13. My parents said if I went out and got a job and raised half the money that they would help me with the other half and so Um, They helped me buy my first RCA Pro Edit camcorder. And um, that's how, yeah, that's how I made all my early stuff. It was just on VHS, cutting on two VCRs. And I just did that pretty much nonstop, you know, throughout my adolescence and attempted to make my first feature film when I was 17. And it was the worst thing you can possibly imagine. (laughs) But it didn't deter you, huh? I didn't. You know what? It did deter me. Of is, uh, I decided after I made that that I would never act in my own movies, <laughs> and, or in any movie for that matter. I uh, when I did that, my friend was supposed to be in it, and, and I was doing it as an independent study um, to graduate high school. And um, my friend kind of bailed on me and and wasn't ever available. So I ended up having to put myself in the movie. And I was just so mortified, you know, when I watched it. I was like, I am horrible. I can't look at myself. I think pretty much all the things actors experience. I
2: was going to say, I've, um, I've experienced all of those feelings at that- Multiple times, yes, <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah, exactly, well, and that's just it is like i I think it, it actually was really good for me to go through that because it it helped me i think be a little more sensitive to actors and understand what they're going through, um and which is why I never let actors watch playback because i don't want I don't want them to get in their own head, yeah. but anyhow, yeah, i um after that, you know i just I just did kind of what you're supposed to do, which is I went to film school, I went to l a for a year, and I went to a little film school called columbia College and After doing that for a little while, I was reading Robert Rodriguez's book, uh, Rebel Without a Crew, and that really kind of influenced me to just drop out of film school and just start making movies. And so I just started doing that and made my first feature, I guess, when I was 25 or my first real feature at 25, um, which was 1159. And then a few years after that made Ink. And then a few years after that is Now. And that's The Frame. What
0: was 1159 about? Can you tell our listeners?
1: Yeah, so 1159 – boy, it's been a while since I've given the pitch on eleven. <laughs> because <laughs> that was released um, in like
0: 2005, I believe.
1: Yeah, that's – yeah, very good. Uh, yeah, so that was several years ago now. Um, yeah, so 1159 is about a news photojournalist who – Is covering a a big political story, and um, he one day suddenly wakes up in a field in the middle of nowhere and has no idea how he got there. When he gets back into town, he realizes that he's missed the last 24 hours, and a bunch of things have changed in the last 24 hours. Then, well, I don't want want to ruin the whole movie, but um, basically, he then lives the next 24 hours, and he then suddenly wakes up again. Um, in a field, and he's gone back to live the day that he skipped over. Oh. And so that's that's basically the premise. Yeah. And you went on for to Inc. in yeah. 2009,
0: I believe that was released. And can you tell our listeners about Inc.? Yeah, Inc. is,
1: and it's been a little while since I've done the pitch on Inc. as well. <laughs> um, so uh, Inc. is basically about people that come out at night and give you dreams. So it's there's the storytellers that come out and give you good dreams. Um, they're kind of like angels, and uh, you know while you sleep. And then there's the incubi who come out at night and give you nightmares. And um, the story sort of revolves around a father and his daughter who are in between worlds. And um, it's about the storytellers and the incubi kind of fighting for their souls.
2: Now. Inc. was it was kind of an interesting how it kind of got out to the general public. Because um, that it, was
1: it, arguably your, your
0: first big hit. Yeah,
2: yeah. Say. But soon after being pirated online, it went viral. And I, mm-hmm. if, if we think that it was seen either legally or illegally over 5 million times since 2009. So how do you feel about having that pirated? And do you think it hurt or do you think it might have even helped with marketing or sales?
1: Yeah. That's an interesting situation, you know, ink, you know, much like the frame when we started, so we, we premiered at a film festival. We, after 1159, we, on 1159, we went through kind of a very traditional distribution route. And so we had a distributor and it went really poorly in that the distributor, you know, never really paid us and didn't really put a lot of promotion into it it just didn't go well. Um, even though they made a lot of sales and, and, So we were just never paid back most of the money that the film made. And so on Inc., we really were dedicated to self-distributing the film. The problem is we just didn't have the money to do a very proper job. And so we we had been touring the film around, you know, various film festivals and doing our own screenings kind of around the country for about, you know, seven or eight months before we released it online and on disc and everything as soon as it came out on DVD, it was like within a week, it got pirated on on Pirate Bay. And we didn't even know it had happened. We suddenly just noticed our YouTube stats were going crazy. And we we're like, why Why is this happening? And one of our friends called and said, hey, you guys are on Pirate Bay. And I guess we had done just enough research by that time about piracy that we just knew that for a film our size, it was, it was a blessing, not a curse. Um, and the fact that it was it was getting so pirated (laughs) um, just meant that people are watching it. And it was really great. I mean, we knew, we knew the film had fans, you know, just by, you know, screening it around the country, but we just didn't, we just didn't have any way to promote it. And um, the piracy ended up getting a lot of attention. And I would say the other thing that was happening is Netflix. It was watching movies instantly on Netflix was really a fairly new thing at that time. And so we had just done a deal with Netflix. So within the same month or two, that that was all going on. It was also on Netflix instant. And so um, that also was giving us a lot of attention. So sort of between those two things, we were getting an enormous amount of unpaid attention. (laughs) Um, So uh, because Netflix, you know, the deal that we – had with them just wasn't very lucrative and and that's generally the case with most independent films um and netflix really isn't doing very many independent films at all now at least not on their streaming so you know we i think we did something like a 2500 hundred dollar deal for a year buyout on netflix um instant so it had gotten you know, watched, you know, probably at least a, a million or two million times in that first year on Netflix, and we got paid $2,500 for it. So we actually made more money from pirates who came back to our website and gave us money for the <laughs> film than we did on Netflix, which is really interesting. So and I think that it really taught us a valuable lesson that above all else, access is the most important thing. Yeah, And then I think we're seeing that now. I mean, I think, you know, Hollywood still is is holding on really tightly to a very windowed distribution process where you know we release on theater in theaters and then you know in, in the United States and we go to other countries and release in those theaters and then we um, do a VOD release and then we do a disc release and it's all very segmented and I just think that the best I, I definitely think the future of film is just release everywhere so everybody can see yeah, it. Yeah, because... I don't
2: understand why things are released in, in one country than another. and that It's kind of like, you know, once you release it, just release it. <laughs> it doesn't make a lot <laughs> yeah. of sense to
1: me. Well, they're
0: experimenting with that because, like, Snowpiercer was simultaneously in theaters yeah. and online, and I think Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, Well, but too. I mean, you
2: know, because things will be released, you know, in the U.S., And then there's a delay before it gets to the UK or vice versa. That that was
0: big with Doctor Who. Yeah,
2: but but like tech savvy fans are going to be like, well, I'm not going to wait a month just because I live on this continent. Instead yeah, of the other. A, so if I can get it pirated, I will. You know? Well, that's
1: ex- that's exactly right. I mean, we so we lived in uh Bulgaria for a little while and um that's a that's a long story, but <laughs> yes. we lived in we've lived in Bulgaria for several months and in Bulgaria they don't have and this is you know in Sofia, which is the the oh, capital. Yeah. I mean they don't they don't have like people don't go to a video store anymore there. If you want to watch a movie, you get on Pirate Bay, period. <laughs> like that's I mean that's what they that's they just do. What you do yeah. and, yeah and that's a lot of countries, and I think that there's a lot of lost revenue um, by not making I mean these people will pay you know something if if there's an easy clickable website like a Netflix or something out there that people can go to um, well, you, but they just
2: yeah because you think about it, it's kind of weird it's it's like distributors are saying, well, since you're for example, Bulgarian, you're not as important. <clears throat>
1: Yeah, exactly.
2: you know, an American or a Canadian or, or whatever. And it's just kind of like, but then they want to, they want them to feel guilty about say pirating it, but it's like, well, you know, you already think we're not equal. That's why you're making us wait and you don't care. You know, so why should I feel any loyalty towards you? You know?
1: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, you're, you're giving us this trailer on YouTube, but then you're not letting us see it for a year, a year later or whatever. And that's, that's exactly our philosophy. Is we just feel like no, we just because you know after ink we we you know developed this fan base that is from everywhere you know and we don't and that's why we released the frame the way we did. We didn't want to, you know, just tour it in the United States for eight months before anybody could see it. We we're like we're just going to do a fast, um, concise tour to help generate you know buzz and press but then we're going to release it to everybody simultaneously because half of our fan base is outside of the united states and every one of them is just as important yeah. as anybody in the united states and it's really important that they, they can all have access to it and and the truth is is they will find access <laughs> whether we give it to them or not so we might as well do it ourselves and um and that's why we decided to do you know a an expensive download that includes the, the, uh, includes the soundtrack as well. You know, $8, you get the movie and the soundtrack together instantly. Mm-hmm. And it's just a, and it's, it's great for us because, you know, ideally it converts a lot of those people who were just going to pirate it to say, Oh yeah, you know I can afford $8. That's easy. And, and I get the soundtrack. Why not? Yeah. You know, that's kind of been our philosophy.
2: Now you talked about the deal with Netflix for, uh, for independent films and,
1: um, mm-hmm.
2: Now, I've found some independent or, or just kind of lower budget. Maybe they've still had some – but they were lower budget and I wouldn't have thought to even look for them before except it mm. pops up on Netflix or I see it. And it's kind of interesting. So I know that I've found some independent things on there. Is, is that mm. for an independent filmmaker? Is the payoff really instead of in dollars, is, is there a payoff in exposure you think?
1: I, I definitely think so. Yeah, I – you know, we're and we've we've had this debate a lot over the last couple of years, just kind of saying, is it worth it to do that? And I think it is eventually. I mean, I think, you know, someone told me years ago, which I I is now my mantra, which is that the the fight in independent filmmaking anymore is not piracy; it's obscurity, mm, and yeah. you you are constantly fighting obscurity because there's so much out there that you need you need to make sure that people know about your film. And I definitely think Netflix is a way to do that as is Pirate Bay, you know, and that's why, you know, we, this time around, we just put it on Pirate Bay ourselves just to let people know that, Hey, and, and we also included a message saying, Hey, we're not giving this film away. Cause that's a really important thing for us to establish is this film is not free. Right. We're not giving it away. This film has a value to us. It's $8. Please come to our website and buy it. If you can't afford $8, you know, and you live in another country, and and eight dollars is a lot of money to you, and and there's no way you can afford that. Then, by all means, we still want you to watch the movie and help spread the um, word. Yeah, exactly, and that's kind of our attitude about it. But I mean, we're not, we didn't get into this into this to make money. Um, we got into this because we want to tell stories and we want people to have access to them. And um, if we can survive, then great. <laughs> and um, but above all else, you know, we're not we're not a big Hollywood company that's trying to make you know big dollars doing this we just we want people to see the films one way or the other but if they could pay for them it sure would help us make the next one yeah well and that's that's (laughs) the
2: thing there's a difference between i'm in it to get rich and gosh we got to you know be able to pay the bills to make it you know
1: exactly (laughs) to be able to make
2: this and And, and make another one because if you know if, if we go under then there won't be any more
1: exactly and 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 our investors when we ethically we owe to our investors to make their money back and and they're good friends of ours so we don't want to screw them over either (laughs) um but but back to your question about netflix i mean i do think that the exposure is really really good and the great thing about things like netflix is they will recommend i mean you'll get movies recommended to you that you wouldn't otherwise check out but they they get a sense of what you like, and if they think you're going to like this obscure movie that you never heard of, um, they'll recommend it. <laughs> you know, all which kinds is great. Of
2: obscure things recommended to us.
1: Exactly, like <laughs> Ink, for instance. You're like, what the hell is this what is crazy Inc? movie? Well, we'll check it out. But Ink caught on because it's
2: yeah.
0: We were at Dragon Con. Um
2: All oh, this a few was years back,
0: I can't remember when. Oh what it my was. gosh,
2: it's been several years. It must have I think it was right after Ink came
0: out. Probably. And we actually mm. saw someone dressed up uh, It
2: was a really
0: good a, costume. Yeah. Who if anyone oh, out really? there is
2: listening and this was you at Dragon Con right after Ink came out. We loved your <laughs> costume at Dragon Con because so cool. it, it was so freaking cool. I mean, it it you wouldn't have thought that that would have been something you could have recreated in yeah. in real life very well. But, I mean, yeah, it, yeah. it was, and we saw them even from a distance. We were like, oh, my God, ink. You
1: know? I wish, I wish we could see that. And they um, walked around yeah, in we,
2: character, and it was really creepy. Yeah,
1: that's we great. have a picture yeah, we, of it somewhere. somewhere. Yeah. Oh, really? Oh, send it. We, we would love oh, to see God, it. Oh, yeah. God, it'll take
2: us a while to dig it up.
1: <laughs> we, we, uh, yeah, we get um, pictures sent to us from, from time to time from various comic cons and stuff of people dressed up as, you know, characters. And, yeah, it's it, like nothing warms our heart more than that. It's just... <laughs> It's just really cool, if you and like I'm good sure costumes.
2: Dragon Con is just one of the best. Yeah, <laughs> oh really?
1: That's when you when were,
0: That's when you have a good fan base when they show yeah. up in costume. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. That's commitment for sure. So about Ink, I did want to ask real quick. Uh, one of the there's a lot of great things about Ink, but uh, I really found it interesting like the fight scenes because there's like parkour style. Yeah, we always zero
2: in on the fight choreography.
0: Oh cool, cool. Did you want to talk a little bit about how you set up those fights and and who who did that
1: yeah, um so our uh our good friend um Brian Taylor, who we call Bama, who actually one of the characters in the frame is named after Bama, <laughs> he's just this amazing guy he's he used to be a break dancer actually, and um then he got into parkour and so he's a or free running depending on who you are, but he's a free runner and and um he also had done some fight choreography, and so I, I had filmed he and his team of freerunners. Just one day I just thought that what, this was years ago, you know I just thought what they were doing was really cool, and so I went out with my camera and just filmed what they were doing and cut it together. And when we were working on ink, you know I was like, you know it'd be great to just have some fights going on in, this, in these scenes that would just be unique. And so I talked to him about it and said, what do you you think? How would you like to work for free for a couple months (laughs) (laughs) and uh, and choreograph these fight scenes? Who could pass that up? (laughs) Yeah, who who could possibly? And and even more, and and he and all of his guys were the incubi and so – he uh, i think he's the first sinkpai that show or that appears in the film but yeah i mean and they they had to wear these like really hot outfits and you know were just sweating through them and it was just, it was pretty miserable all in all but but they're just they're great i mean they, and and the the fights are are the way they are because because of them so yeah it was it was a lot of fun to shoot though it was it was a lot of fun at least for me i I didn't have to sweat through it and get banged (laughs) up but
2: yeah that's a that's a a large group of a group of a lot of people who don't seem to care about whether they get hurt
0: (laughs) yeah yeah lucky for us and you were kind of on everyone
2: needs crazy friends
0: Right. I see parkour more and more now in t v shows and oh yeah, movies, yeah, but no, you were still kind of like in a cutting edge that yeah. hadn't quite caught on it was just starting to I remember to catch the first on. time
2: I saw it, I thought, what are those people doing? I mean, it looks like fun, don't get me wrong <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah, no, it's crazy no it's it really did start taking off, yeah, shortly after that, but yeah, it was starting to take off when we were making ink and and it, I think it's it's cool, um, so my friend Brian now runs a parkour gym. Um, where he teaches kids, like young kids, to to do it, and um, it's really cool. I actually just went and saw his gym just the other day, and was just amazed to see these, like, you know, ten year old kids just doing incredible <laughs> stuff. Well, uh, it's cool.
2: I mean, if you think about it, I mean, if you grow up in a big city, I mean, I was fortunate enough. I, I lived, you know, on a lake and near woods. I mean, we climbed and we ran around and we climbed and we jumped in things and, uh, but it was just in a different you know, environment. But yeah, I mean, yeah. if you're in a big city, that that's your jungle. I mean, that's, that's yeah. your woods. That's, that's your lake. You know, I mean, you, exactly. you make your fun where you, where you are.
0: Just don't fall off the very
1: tall trees. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You yeah. know
2: that the leaves in the ground give a little bit more is all I'm saying. <laughs> yeah. That
1: sounds, that sounds more dangerous to me.
2: <laughs> I mean, you can fall on a rock oh so that's not good, but you know, yeah. the ground gives a bit more. <laughs>
0: Okay, and so your your newest movie is the frame. Yeah. So can you tell our listeners about what the frame is about?
1: Yeah. Let's see. Can I? Um, so we've been in uh,
2: 60 words or less. Like, no, I'm just kidding. Just tell us more <laughs> um, what it is.
1: <laughs> so yeah, I think by now I can start giving more of our explanation. I was really, you know, early on I was really against telling anybody anything about it before they saw it, but but I'll uh, talk a little bit about it. So the frame is it. it is about two different characters. One is a uh, female paramedic, and the other is um, a um, a career criminal. I was
2: gonna basically. say an independent contractor of sorts. Yeah, he he's a uh,
1: he's a, a young a young man who uh, is essentially trying to get out of a cartel. And um, so let's say,
2: you know, he is a career criminal, but you, you get the feeling it's not fully by choice. I mean, he just
1: exactly, exactly. So so the film opens, you know, it's on these two characters. So it opens um, on a on a big heist um, where Alex, our lead uh, character is um, trying to uh, steal for a bunch of pharmaceuticals. And um, and it's this kind of very intense, uh, very quiet heist that's going on. Then we cut to Sam, our other lead character, who is a paramedic in a domestic violence situation. And so we see these kind of two scenes play out back to back. Um, but then we cut back to Alex and Alex comes home, turns on his TV to watch his you know, favorite television show called Urban Hope about a young paramedic named Sam. And we realize at that point that Sam is actually a character on a television show. And uh, then we cut back to Sam's world and Sam comes home from her day and turns on her television to watch her favorite show. And we realize that she is watching a show called Thieves and Saints about um, a young uh, cargo thief named Alex. And we realize that his life is also a television show. And so the rest I will let you – that is the teaser. You've got to watch the rest (laughs) uh, Find find out what happens. Yeah,
2: the the heist – um, that was, that was really cool and elaborate, but then, you know, I have the domestic violence scene with her. That was rough. I mean, that was, that was, yeah. that was rough to watch. I mean, because, oh, good. I'm glad, because, I'm
1: glad you... because, you <laughs> oh, know, you realize ahead.
2: it's real. I mean, that, it, that happens and it happens a lot like that.
1: Yeah. I'm I'm glad you said that. That was definitely, you know, it, it's funny because when I watch it, I see, um, my good friend, Jeffrey. Who is playing that role? And he is the sweetest, most gentle guy you'll ever wow, see. Wow, he's so, a very so good far. actor
2: because I would yeah. not—I would cross the street to get away from that guy. <laughs> yeah,
1: sure, sure. I'm, I'm glad to hear that because yeah, it's uh, at various times. It's like, man, I, I hope this sells because I mean, all I see is Jeffrey doing this, but That's yeah, he's—he's he's a your
2: friend because you know what they're really like.
1: Exactly. Exactly. And, um, but he, he really brought it. They all did. That was, that was actually, that particular scene was the, the very last thing that we shot in our schedule. So, um, it was, and it was really tough. Actually, we spent two days shooting that scene and we were in this really hot house without air conditioning and it was like a hundred degrees and it was just really tight quarters and very physical. And so I think, but I think it lent to the scene for sure. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to say a
0: joke earlier, but I didn't know how how far you're gonna get into plot. I was whenever you, we were asking you about your filmmaking, and he said, "I don't know. How did I get involved in filmmaking?" I was gonna crack like a joke. Well, maybe you're actually a TV character. <laughs> He's so happy. Maybe that I to am. Say that now.
1: And that and that is the message of the frame. We are all just TV shows. <laughs>
0: Um,
2: we'll have, we'll, I I demand a new writing team and showrunner is all I can say, <laughs> and I'm gonna go on strike until I get it.
1: That sounds good. I will join you in the strike. <laughs>
2: because I gotta tell you, not this, this group we got now for me ain't working out.
1: <laughs> I don't
0: know how to take that.
2: <laughs> Besides you.
0: um I am always interested in how writers, you know, come up with their initial (laughs) idea, what sparks that idea. Because you come up with really, I think...
2: uh, His writers came up with
1: it. All the writers write you. Yeah, this is just... This is just what I was given. Sorry, I just, played, I just, I just had, played a. Play.
2: He and I are just having way too much fun with this. So sorry.
0: But <laughs> you always come up with very you know unique ideas. Like I I mentioned to someone the other day about the frame and and up to pretty much the point where you stopped about what the concept was and they're like, oh, I've never heard of anything like that before. Yeah. So um, mm-hmm. I'm curious what sparked the idea for the frame.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think the things to me. I guess, you know, I, I, do this because I just, I want, always want to be doing something different. And I think that first and foremost, I think just the, the desire to to try to tell a story that you haven't, you haven't heard before. Um, that that's kind of the the first part of it, I guess. But for me, um, I always, I guess I always start with, with images, you know, I, and I keep a notebook. I just, I just write down a, a ton of ideas. Usually for me it starts with theme, you know, I, I, you know, with the frame, you know, in in Inc. and 1159, I think they're all films in some way about a common theme, which is to some degree man's relationship to God in some way and sort of constantly, and I think it's just because it's the thing that I probably think about the most and struggle with the most is trying to understand, you know, why we're here. And, you know, is there a God? If there is a God, then why do horrible things happen? Um, how does, how does the universe work? And I think that it all kind of stems from, from those themes. And so I think that's underlying everything that, that I think about. So when I think about kind of crazy ideas, it's all kind of stemming from that. It's, it's usually not kind of, it's not me saying like, Oh, here's a great sci-fi idea. Um, I just think it's the sci-fi is just a really great genre to explore a lot of crazy ideas. <laughs> and, and I think we live in a sci-fi world. I mean, I think that's, you know, sci-fi is, only science fiction until it becomes just science. Right. Right. And, um, and we're living on and the,
2: the edge keeps moving. Yeah, I mean, we're really living on the edge of science fiction at any moment now, you know, all the time. Yeah.
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, I say that constantly. Every time I, you know, look at a tablet or a phone, I'm like, man, we are we are living in science fiction right <laughs> now. This is if you showed me this 10 years ago, my mind would have been blown, you know. So but anyhow, I, I think that the the writing process usually starts with just an image, just a visual that I'll, I'll get, or a, a few different visuals. So, you know, with the frame, it started, uh, or with ink, I'll start with ink, you know, it started with, you know, a couple different images. I had one image, which is in the film, which is a guy uh, in a hospital with essentially angels and demons um, sort of fighting behind him. And so that, that was sort of the first, one of the, the early images I had. And so I just started asking questions of how, how did it become that? How did he get there? With the frame, I think it very much started with an image of. There's a couple of images. It was an image of a man and a violin, and uh, the other image was a man trapped in a cage, um, trying to get out. So those images, um, I just started asking questions from there, and just asking who is who is he, why is he there, um, and those questions eventually become you know d- help define who the characters are and eventually becomes, becomes the plot. But, but as far as the actual, like the script writing process goes, um, it's, I usually, I will outline for a really, really long time. I'll usually just sit with a notebook for a year, you know, and just, and I'll usually do really, really extensive outlines. I mean, outlines that are hundreds of pages long. And then I'll, uh, once I really feel really secure with the overall structure, then I'll, then I'll go back and I'll, um, you know, write the script fairly quickly. Um, you know, I'll actually write the script within, you know, a couple of months, you know, but it's because I've done a ton of legwork to get to that point.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I can see those themes that you're discussing, like in yeah. ink and the frame.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, so one
0: thing that's interesting about the frame that I also liked, uh, was that your,
1: your two lead characters <gasps> oh, are, yeah. are minorities.
0: Yay. Oh yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah. It's, that's interesting. A couple people brought that up, and I, I forget that that's the case. But yeah, that, that was a very conscious decision um, early on. Um, I, I mean, to some degree. I mean, especially his character. I mean, his his character come you know is
2: there's a um, real backstory that explains that it, exactly it would really exactly. only work with who he is. Yeah.
1: Exactly. Am, I, am I helping
2: so, you explain it without giving away too much? <laughs> no,
1: no, that's perfect. That's perfect. That's exactly right. So his backstory really had to define, you know, what his ethnicity was. Um, with her, we weren't really sure. We, um, I guess, we just felt like we wanted, we wanted somebody of, of some sort of ethnicity, just because I just felt like it's just what I wanted to see on screen. I think it, it was just some. It was just a decision that. Um, we made early on of just say, you know, let's just not go the stereotypical route here. And let's, let's, let's cast a unique person. When we saw Tiffany Mualim, who plays Sam, you know, we just, she really kind of told us who the character needed to be, I think, because I felt like that the character, um, script wise, I felt like there was a lot of room to grow. And it wasn't until I saw her do a reading of a scene that I was like, yes, that's exactly, that's exactly what it needs to be. Because we saw a lot of really talented actresses, but she was she just brought something unique to it, and again, the same thing with david um David Carranza, who plays alex we I had a different idea about what the character would be um i, I think mainly just sort of how he would come across and um when we saw David i mean David's a really masculine guy i mean and and an actor, and he just has a real bravado and and when we saw him, I was like well that wasn't that's not what I was thinking of at all but it's he's it's better than what I was imagining <laughs> he was just he just really had a, a really strong presence and both are really really trained actors and they're training I mean they're they're really talented and we just knew that with you know rehearsing or uh, with auditioning with them we just knew that they were they were really going to bring it
2: yeah that's what you know we always liked it's like we want to cast for the the best person to play the role so whatever you bring to it and how well you do we'll worry about what the character's supposed to look like with it you know unless there's a specific reason they have to look a certain way it's like well well we'll come up with a backstory for later. We just want the best person for the role.
1: Yeah. And we
2: like to see that because, you know, we've talked about it, you know, like we, we in regular life, like we go to work and like, you know, my boss is a woman and and she's black. And I I go to church and it's open and affirmative and multiracial. And then we get together Mm. with our friends and, and family and her family are different race and nationalities and, and, and every, but then you know you come home and you turn on a TV and everybody is like between the ages of eighteen and thirty five and the main <laughs> right. characters are white
1: and they right.
2: everyone's straight unless this one person is gay and that's the entire thing that defines them and they're a stereotype.
1: Yeah. The, the, the quirky gay guy.
2: Right, and and it's yeah. just kind of like that you know. But when you live your daily life, that's that's not at all what your life is like, but then you turn on TV and it's, and, or you go watch a movie and it's kind of like, who are these people?
1: (laughs) You know, know, and it's, it's, it's a really, it's an interesting thing because we, we really had to make a very conscious decision early on because we knew it was going to actually be hard on us marketing wise. I mean, the film was, was going to be a hard thing to market to begin with just because it's a, we, we weren't willing to give away a lot of the plot points. But the other thing was that, you know, when you don't have a white, you know, cast or, you know, a couple of leads, that really hurts you. And it especially hurts you in the sell? foreign market. It does. Uh, it does. Boy, I mean, for instance, so a, it is. I mean, but you, I mean, you, it's really, for instance, it's really, really hard to do sales in a lot of Asian countries uh-huh. if you're, if your leads aren't white. Uh-huh. Um, and, um, and it's just the way, I mean, it, it's, It's just the way the cultures work. They want to see white actors, and that's
2: the way – I guess to them it defines it it being American or –
1: Exactly, exactly. I don't know that it's like specifically – yeah, I don't. I don't know that it's like a specifically like a racist thing. I think it's and, and maybe it is, but I think it's more that that's how they see America <laughs> well, is white, white blonde people, and like yeah. that's who they expect to see in their American I've, films. I've traveled
2: yeah. and I've had people surprised. They're like, "Oh, we don't look like an American," and I'm like, "Oh, what do you mean? I don't look like an American? I mean, what does an American look like? Like, we look like everything, right?" And then like they'll be like, "Well, you're not dressed like an American," you, you know. And I, they were like. You're not wearing like a guest hat and name things with name brands on them with the the logos prominent, and you're not wearing like a fanny pack, and your skin's too light, and <laughs> your hair's too dark, and I'm like, dude, what do you think Americans look like? Like we look like everybody, you know, we're everything.
1: <laughs> yeah, but nice. there's
2: a, there is a stereotype even in Europe that. Yeah. of of what a what an american is you know and and it's kind of i don't know how it got started but <laughs> it was so far off the mark
1: <laughs> no no i and i think i mean the, the stereotype is true in some in some senses yeah. i mean i think that americans are are known you know like for instance in mexico is you you can always spot an american cuz they're the yeah, the fanny pack I and, the, uh, and the shorts. I don't even know anyone with fanny
2: pack. Who are these I, you people? You know,
1: but you see it. You do. It be, you see well, it must be
2: like oh, I, I don't know, maybe older people.
1: I think yeah, and, and I think ones too, the afford it was,
2: to travel. They don't have kids.
1: <laughs> the, the, the fanny pack left such an impression in the '80s that everybody still remembers <laughs> Everyone's it. Everyone's
2: know? traumatized that's, by the fanny yeah, pack. Yeah, we're just we're
1: officially just like <laughs> that's our branding is the fanny pack, and we can never shake it.
2: I, I don't even uh, know anyone with one. <laughs>
1: They're out there. Um, <laughs> they're they're out there. Um, but yeah, yeah, so no, it was it was it was definitely a, a choice and um, but I think that that's the future. I mean, I think that I mean hopefully the um, I, I do think Hollywood minority is – minority actors and, not fanny packs. No minority
0: actors. Yeah, 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 so with, yeah sorry. we're gonna reclaim the fanny clear. Back. let's get a move. I, I was, with I was fanny
1: talking packs. very specifically about fanny packs, but <laughs> And that, that was going to bring me to my <laughs> agenda as a filmmaker is to include fanny packs. Um,
2: You've got to put one in as the Easter egg in the next movie. <laughs> I know.
1: Just thinking, could I develop a whole plot around that?
2: <laughs> oh, please do. <laughs> yes, Anyhow.
0: Next movie, The Fanny. <laughs>
2: <laughs> um, um, and the sequel, <laughs> The Pack. The Pack. <laughs> I don't even know where we are now. <laughs>
0: I don't know what's happening. <laughs> but, uh, okay, so racial diversity. Uh, of oh, that's right. We were actually talking
2: actors. about something were, serious. Are, are,
0: those, <laughs> are those two actors out of the Denver area or did, they, or did you fly them in?
1: Um, no, a lot of uh, – most of the cast, I would say, is the, the two leads. So the way we cast it was um, we used um, Actors Access and Breakdown Express. Um, we just had a really diplomatic – casting process where we just said anybody in the United States can can submit a reel basically and so we got you know a a couple thousand submissions and then Kiowa who I've yet to mention who's a huge part of this uh, (laughs) Kiowa who's my wife and producer she was essentially the casting director as well and so she went through
2: oh my God, she's a saint
1: (laughs) Yeah, she really is I mean she just went through an you know just enormous amount of submissions and just and really seriously looked at everybody um, because you just never know when there's a gem out there and that's exactly what we found. Um, so David is from New York and, uh, Tiffany is, she's from Jersey originally, but she's in LA now. So those two, and then, um, Cal who, uh, played Noah, who is, uh, the old man in the hospital. He also is LA, but I think virtually everybody else were, some of them are from, or live in LA, but they're all kind of have Denver Denver roots. They're actors that I either knew or had worked with. Uh, Chris Kelly, who who was in Inc, of course, you know, played the the devil character in this, and uh, he was also in my first film, Eleven Fifty Nine, and several other films. I think I've made something like six different things with Chris at this point, <laughs> um, so he's kind of just a regular fixture. Somebody asked me at a Q and A if he was uh, if he was on retainer and uh, but uh, he we can't afford to keep him on retainer but fortunately he's a good friend so he he always uh, comes out and helps us out. Yeah, okay,
2: we have an actor that I tease. I said I'm gonna someday get you in like a blood contract that says that whatever we make you have to be in <laughs> <laughs> because it's, because we want you in everything. <laughs>
1: yeah, that's that's a good problem for for an actor to have for sure. That they're I'm, I'm sure they're they love working so. Yeah. So, uh,
0: with ink and the frame, what would be the single biggest challenge you faced for each of those,
1: like excluding money because it's always a challenge?
2: Yeah, taking that one yeah. off the table.
1: Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I think I think that the same is true on both of them. That just the resilience you have to have. I mean, just the perseverance. And you guys know, um, yeah. I mean, just the the production world in general and making films. Um, I'm sure the same is true with web series. It just takes so much persistence. And, you know, when you're doing something like ink, for instance, was an 83 day shoot and the frame was a 58 day shoot. So they're just you're spending so much time and you're just you're about a third into the process. You're just trying to just you're just telling yourself to just keep going because you're not sleeping. You're not eating very well. (laughs) You're on your feet, you know. 14 hours a day. It's physically
2: very draining. Yeah.
1: It is. And it's it's extremely stressful, you know? I mean, it's you're constantly trying to control the uncontrollable, especially if you're shooting on location constantly. You just, you're constantly at the mercy of the weather and, you know, are people going to show up? And... And so I think just getting through it is the hardest part. Um, <laughs> surviving,
2: just, surviving just, it. This the process is the hardest exactly, part.
1: Just, just, just the whole thing is really the hardest part. Um,
2: All of it. <laughs> but,
1: uh, but yeah, I think you know, I think for me the maybe the the biggest thing is you know on ink was just trying to keep the crew going, you know, I think ink was a particularly brutal shoe. I mean, they're both pretty tough shoots, but um, ink was really brutal. I think it was just, it was a really ambitious project and it was just, it was just hard to just keep everybody motivated and keep everybody going. The frame I'm trying to think of what kind of the biggest challenge was. It just, it wouldn't, I would say the frame was a little bit smoother, but it, I think it was just, again, it was just kind of keeping everybody going, but we had, on the frame and we just had a couple of really key people that, um, that were just so motivated and just so positive the whole time, but they honestly kind of kept me going. Um, and, uh, but yeah, but of course, yeah, money is just, you're always trying to figure out how to do a lot with very, very little.
2: Now you were talking about the biggest challenges such as, you know, surviving it and making it through with your health and your mind intact. Are there any funny stories from set that you would like to share?
1: Oh boy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think it depends on which movie you're talking about, but I, I know the the story that we always like to tell about ink was that, um, Quinn, who was our little actress in ink, um, you know, she, she had a lot of kind of physical stuff to do, but there was just certain things that we just couldn't have her do. Um, for instance, like ink jumps off a balcony with her on his shoulder and, you know, there's a lot of kind of, you know, things where he's carrying her and, and doing fairly, fairly physical things. So in order to deal with that, we didn't, you know, we didn't, we couldn't have like a stunt person. So we ended up making a, a, a Quinn doll
0: <laughs> and uh,
1: Kiowa, a, a Ki- Kiowa sewed together a doll that looked surprisingly like Quinn. <laughs> and um, so in any sort of stunt situation, Chris who played Ink, would throw the Quinn doll on his shoulder and so we were constantly hauling the Quindall around. And um, one location that we uh, we went to is this this warehouse. And the guy who was r- running the place didn't really speak English. Kyle was getting the quindall out of the car and was stuffing it into a garbage bag. And, oh. um, and the guy comes over and says, La, La Nina? and, uh, and She's like, "Oh no, no, no! This is just a doll. Look, look! It's just a doll." Because he had seen Quinn walking around earlier, and suddenly, <laughs> suddenly, sees sees Quinn getting shoved into a garbage bag. Well, that's his
2: part uh, for going to check on her.
1: Yeah, yeah, it was pretty. It was pretty great. And we still keep Qu- the Quinn doll in a box, and uh, so she's stored safe and sound. That's
2: not creepy at all.
1: <laughs> yeah. <that's right. laughs> She's
2: like you wake up one night she's standing at the foot of the bed. Do you want to play?
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but um with the frame, I'm trying to think if there is any like hilarious stories. I'm sure there were. I you know more than anything, you know, with the frame, I think um we just we just had a really funny crew. I mean, we just had um you know, everybody and that was a thing is that our crew was just they were such a delight and they they kept us laughing the whole time so despite it being really difficult um uh we were constantly laughing which was good and and you know I mean the frame is a really heavy movie in a lot of ways and so you really you did have to laugh a lot because you know you, we were doing some really heavy dramatic scenes and so you know David and I uh were, were constantly um seeing feel Feel My Heat, which is if you guys have seen Boogie Nights and seen Mark Wahlberg <laughs> doing his uh, his song, that he's he's singing a song called Feel My Heat. And so we would always, always sing that on set just to keep the mood light.
2: <laughs> Still not as creepy as the doll, I'm just saying. <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> now we have a lot of filmmakers, web creators, writers who listen to the show. We do? Uh uh-huh. so, <laughs> are there any uh tips you'd like to share with them that you have you learned working on these films
1: yeah you know i think i think anybody who's just getting into it i think that people can't underestimate how difficult it is you know first and foremost and that if you really want to do it be absolutely sure you really want to do it I, mean, I think i think you have to be really really passionate to to do it and so i think that first and foremost don't go down the road if if you're you're in it to make money or if you're in it to you know for glamour or whatever because those things and there's very... nothing glamorous about the no, process no. of making a film and, and <laughs> even, even the glamorous moments are not so glamorous no. so you really have to be passionate and you really have to want to do it and, and I think you know have something to say too I mean I think a lot of people just want to make movies but they don't really know why and I think I think you know make sure you you have something that you want to put into the world and I think it's I think that's the most important reason to be a filmmaker, but I think you know you know getting past that if if you're doing this, I mean I think the thing that you know, like I just said earlier i I think perseverance is the absolute key. I mean, I think you just have to keep on doing it it's it's really, really difficult, but it's also really rewarding in a lot of ways if you're if you love doing it, but you just have to go in just saying like i'm I'm just simply gonna keep keep going no matter what. You know, we've definitely had our struggles over the years, and that's the one thing we say to ourselves. When we're just ready to to throw in the towel, we just say no, just keep going. This is this is what we're supposed to be doing, and and we're gonna keep doing it. And um, so, I think just anybody out there doing it, just just keep going. Eventually, it it, it will pay off. I, I I very firmly believe that.
0: Just for another possible tip or some advice, and you've done a good job building up this fan base, yeah. uh, what is it do you think it, that you've done that's helped do that and sustain it?
1: The same thing, uh, which is just time, you know, perseverance. You know, I started, so I'm I'm 37 now, and I started a an email list when I was about 20. <laughs> and that started with just like family and friends. And then you know, just collecting emails, you know, so I was making short films. And so every time we would do like a screening of a short film, I would have a a clipboard with an email list sign up. And some of those people from 17 years ago are still on our email list. It started there. And then, I mean, it helps to have some films that people like um so minor detail really yeah we, we made a, a short film uh spin several years ago that that got a lot of attention and that you know and then people found our website and then that you know helped grow our email list but it's just taken 17 years to basically build the fan base that we have now so i mean it just takes time and it doesn't always i mean it doesn't have to take 17 years i mean it just it just depends on what you're doing and who likes your work and all of that, but I would say that it's just always been an emphasis for us. I think that you know a few years ago we re- we just realized that we were always going to self-release our films, and that that meant that that we had the opportunity to bring our stuff directly to to our fans and have a, a direct connection with our fans. And so we've tried to nurture that as much as as we can. And quite honestly, that's it's it's actually been the thing that's helped keep us going. Is that you know sometimes you do want to give up but you know when you're constantly getting people you know writing emails saying hey i love your films or you know this really made a difference for me in my life you know things like that it's just like okay well we got to keep on going you know and 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 our fans really i think have helped carry us and and that was true of ink i mean ink was successful because there's just so many people out there handing their copy to their friends saying, you got to watch this And that's starting to happen with the frame, too. I mean, we've we've had, you know, a lot of people emailing us saying, you know, I've watched it three times and I'm getting like a group of people together to watch it. And it's just it's those people that make all the difference. It's not to us. It's not so important to have like a million fans. It's more important to have just the right fans. And and that's been the case. So, yeah, I, did I answer your question? Yes. <laughs> I kind of went off on a tangent. I've been going off on a lot of tangents.
2: <laughs> we no, have no, that effect fine. on people
1: though. Uh, yeah.
0: Um, so what's next after the, frame?
2: Yeah.
1: I know you're
0: busy promoting it quite a bit, but is there another, are you working on outlining a new project?
1: Yeah, I am. I um, there's there's a, a couple couple things, but one in particular, it's it's very very hush hush. <laughs> but um, that's the name. Hush, guess... hush hush. Hush <laughs> hush. hush. Or, or, oh, no, no, codename code Fanny. <laughs> <laughs> i was
0: gonna say hush hush. It's
2: gonna be the code,
1: code name that,
0: Fanny.
2: The Buffy.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to no, no. Say... We decided
2: it's the pack. Oh,
1: okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just gonna say it's gonna star an American. Hint hint. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, um, it's, uh, it's, I, I can't say a whole lot of, about it, but I, I will say that, you know, after the, the uh, 1159 ink and, and now the frame, we're planning on taking a pretty drastic turn on the next one. I mean, it, it'll still be very, very much us and what we do, but it's, I'm planning on something really, <laughs> I, when I tell people after they've seen the frame, I said, well, wait till the next one, it's really going to be crazy. And <laughs> a guy was like, crazier than that, like, right. eh, you know but it's it's going to be something you know i i'm trying to just um constantly make things that i want to see and try to make things that 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 haven't been done before and so it'll be it'll be pretty crazy so that's all i can say i mean it's it's um it definitely is in the sort of the sci-fi genre but it's it's going to be pretty wild so but we'll have to we'll have to talk about that when it uh when we get closer to that one yeah.
0: now where can people find you
1: online and your, and your work you online?
2: and your work online mm-hmm. so
1: well, good question. Um, the best the best place to find us. So, if you want to actually see the films, the best place to go is just doubleedgefilms.com, or you can type in uh, com as well, and that'll get you there. We're on Facebook. So, if you want, if you're a fan of Ink, we have a Ink Facebook page. Just look up Ink on on Facebook, and the same thing with the Frame. The Frame is uh, we have Facebook pages for that as well, and uh, we're also on Twitter as Double Edge Films. We're on Instagram, we're on Tumblr. You're <laughs> um, everywhere. We, we are everywhere, but we're probably the most active on Facebook. It's a great place to just write us and we leave comments and yeah, that's, that's where it's all going down. Oh, and then and of course, uh, The Frame is also on iTunes and Amazon and uh, several other places.
0: Hello everybody, my name is Timo Wodenslaw, I'm the director of an awesome film about the Nazis from the dark side of the moon called Iron Sky, and you are listening to John Attainment.
2: Well, thanks to Jamin for taking the time to speak with us. We had a great time, and if ink, the frame, or 1159 sound like something you want to see, then click on over to the Double Edge Films website to buy a copy.
0: And before we go, we want to remind you that you can keep track of us on our John Entertainment Facebook page. Uh, my Twitter account, which is at Mr. Marks, it's M R M A R X, or our website at genretainment.com, or all of the shows at sci
2: So that's it for today's genretainment. We'll be back soon with all new guests from our favorite films, TV shows, novels, and web series.
0: Genretainment is a production of Alien Jungle Bug Productions.
2: Until, Until next time. time.
0: monkey